could, turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. There is just one page for most of us, probably. So if you're curious where that is, look in the table of contents. But it is Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. So uh, if you're looking there, kind of have to flip through the pages to make sure you get to it. Uh, Philemon is interesting book. It uh, I, I don't know, because it's so short, I have a feeling that many of us might not have heard many sermons from Philemon. Uh, but uniquely, it's, it's argued to be one of the most explosive letters that Paul writes. And, and even after the first reading, you might not see that it would have such a word connected to it, this word explosive. But uh, it becomes seen a little bit more as, as it's unpacked, as why, why it would be so maybe uh, contentious in this. Paul's really challenging Philemon in an unusual and certainly in a countercultural kind of way. Philemon is this wealthy man from Colossae, and Onesimus is who Paul is talking about to, in this letter to Philemon. It's the new friend of Paul's who has apparently at some point wronged Philemon. And Onesimus was a slave of Philemon and seems to have fled to Rome and possibly even done so um, after like stealing from Philemon. It doesn't seem like a real positive uh, end of a relationship, right? If, if you were in the service of somebody, you steal something from them and you leave to go to another place. Uh, and now your buddy Paul is saying something pretty particular about him. Uh, we don't have all the details, but by God's grace, Onesimus has met Paul and Paul has led him to Christ. And so there, is, there has been healing in his own soul and, and I think, well, let's do this. Let's read Philemon, because I feel like there's lots of pieces that you might not be picking up yet. So let me, let me read this to us. Uh, and we don't get to do this every week, but we're going to read an entire book of the Bible today. All right? Starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I, who, who, yeah, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. 
I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but out of your own free will. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Pretty short letter from Paul, right? And, and so if you didn't catch that, here's what's happened. Philemon uh, is this guy in Colossae who is uh, hosting basically a house church. So they, they gather together in his house. And Onesimus was a slave, a bond servant, and fled to Rome. He meets Paul. Paul leads him to Christ. And now Paul is saying, you need to go back to where you came from, really, and reconcile with his brother. But he's sending a letter to Philemon to say, hey, some of this is going to depend on you because you're, you're going to need to receive him, but not just receive him as, a, uh, as, as just your slave, as just a bondservant, but you, you need to receive him as a brother in Christ, and potentially you need to no longer have him enslaved at all. He's just gonna come and be a member of your church and, and serve alongside you and, and like serve with you, not serve you. You see why it's explosive? He's, he's calling on somebody who has been wronged to forgive someone who he hasn't even seen in quite some time, who potentially stole from him or at least harmed him in some way because Paul's even giving him this sort of heads up, right? It's not just that he's sending the guy and says, hey, I hope the best for you. It's that he's giving this kind of warning, this kind of headway for him. And, and really, in this text, what we find is a call to fellowship. You, you might not see that word, or at least you might not think you see that word much here. But the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible argues that, the fe that fellowship is the essence of Christian life. Fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. So we're going to try to, to think about how all of this, this reconciliation, this call to, hey, accept this brother that you didn't even know was now your brother, accept him into the, the fellowship. How does this even work? How does this correlate then for us? And, and how does it affect 
the gospel or how is it affected by the gospel? So I want us to focus on three pairings of words regarding true fellowship. This Greek word, right? Fellowship, koinonia. Many of you may have heard that word before. True fellowship or koinonia is our focus today and is arguably then, hopefully, the focus of Philemon. So let's start with these, these, this first pairing. True fellowship includes joy and comfort from love. So the two words, joy and comfort. Philemon verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul is overjoyed with what he has heard and seen about Philemon and about this, really, this group of churches, this group of house churches, and how there is this steady work of love offered to his fellow believers. So Paul is, Paul is encouraged by this. Fellowship, think about this definition. Fellowship is the association based upon the sharing of something in common. So believers have fellowship with one another on the basis of their common relationship with God, their participation in the blessings of the gospel, and their common task of mission. So true fellowship is demonstrated in the concern for and the practical commitment to one another. Now, all of that was a, a lot of words to say that we are connected. Right? We are, fellowship is being connected together by our relationship with Christ, our belief in the gospel, and in our common task, that is to make disciples, right? In fact, we, we say that here with a, a, a phrase, together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We don't do that just individually, right? We can make disciples, like that's part of our individual task, but we do that together. We, we say the phrase that we belong, right? We belong together and we, we gather together. We belong, we gather, and we send. All of this takes place, this is a part of the body of Christ. And so, so Paul is saying that there's great joy that he sees in what Philemon is doing amongst the other brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, good job, you're, you're fellowshipping there well together. <laughs> in fact, I don't, I don't know if this is the case for you, but it sure does seem like the case uh, for many of us. Fake fellowship is draining. Is it not? Like just putting on the, the facade and, and uh, in fact, uh, for some of you, social gatherings are draining, period. Right? Like you just you have to take a deep. My, my dad is one of those. Um, my dad's a pastor too and he's still like, whoa, people. Right? Uh, and and uh, like there's, there's just some of that. My mom is much more, I guess I'm much more like my mom. Like everything is, all the people are great, right? People uh, like fuel me and fuel her in so many ways. And yet uh, like people are sometimes draining. But experiencing true relationship or, or good, real fellowship, that's, that's not draining, it's not tiresome. It's because you're, you're being fulfilled by other people. And so, 
So Paul is encouraging Philemon in these pages, in this letter that he's appealing to the man that he knows Philemon to be, that you are a relational and a refreshing man. So, so remember, catch this. He hasn't, he hasn't given the ask yet, right? So he's just starting out. He's just saying, you're really relational. I'm so encouraged by you. You think about all the, this, this start, he's just celebrating all that he is, all, all the good that he is. I, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become more and more effective for the full knowledge of every good thing. You just hear this like lavishing. He's just over the top celebrating Philemon and his, and his fellow brothers in the church. And, and if you're Philemon and you haven't gotten to the, the ask yet, what is it that you want, right? Yeah, ever had those where, where someone is unusually complimentary to you and you look back at them and you say, hey, thanks. What is it that you want? right? You wonder if Philemon's just curious, like, what's coming? Is this just a thanks for being great letter? I feel like there's something more coming, right? But what he's saying is, is that he is overjoyed. Even if, even if there's a, a, a request coming, he is, he's joyed, fulfilled, comforted. You ever been in the car uh, when it's really, really foggy? like so foggy that you can barely see. Maybe it's been when like it's pouring down rain and your windshield wipers, it's like they're, they're, they're not moving fast enough to, to even get, the, y'all know what I'm talking about? Even if you're not a driver, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, you have to rely on some, some specific things that are provided for you. So uh, you're, you're relying on the, the lines on the road. You're hoping that your lights that are on will shine on the, the lines on the road or maybe the reflectors on the road, maybe even the, the car in front of you, like they've put their flashers on, you've got your flashers on so that everybody can see before and behind you and all those things. And it becomes really helpful even sometimes to have a, another vehicle behind you, not the kind that's like shining in your mirror and that you're really annoyed by uh, in time like that, but, but actually the kind that appropriately shines the lights. And so you can actually see more of the road because all of your lights are kind of directing that. Some truck drivers actually call uh, some of this hugging. You know that where they, they put, a, put a truck in the front, they put a truck behind, and there'll be a, a car or two in the middle, and they call that hugging the, the car because they're trying to help actually guide that car as much as possible. And you, you it just to give peace of mind that you're on the right track, that you're going the right way, that you're not gonna swerve off a cliff and not even know it because you can't see. This is that hugging, and some of you right now are so worried that I'm gonna ask you to get up and hug somebody. Right, and, and for some of you, while COVID was really sad, you liked that part, right? Like don't, like no need for touch, right? Uh, but not necessarily in that physical kind of way, but sometimes hugging like this is what makes fellowship so sweet. Not, not just the, the physical touch or the fist bump or the handshake, but kind of helping keep you in line, true fellowship that, that provides comfort, that you're not going to, to steer off or go the wrong way. Fellowship comes from this joy-filled hugs of affirmation and comforting nudges toward the right way. 
So when we gather together, we, we want true fellowship. We want it to offer joy to one another as Paul is offering here. In fact, I would just say that that's one, one if not one of the most significant reasons that we do actually gather Yes, if you're at home watching or if you're away and, and you watch online, I think that is a, uh, a gift that we have that I am thankful for. But it is, it's not a, an equal substitute. We know that, right? And if you're away, we miss you when you're gone. Or at least I do. Right? I, I'm, I miss those, those being able to look you in the eye kind of conversations, be able to have that kind of fellowship that includes joy and comfort. Secondly, true fellowship offers reconciliation and partnership. So you have joy and comfort, and you have reconciliation and partnership in grace. So verse 12, Paul finally says it, doesn't he? I'm sending Onesimus back to you. I'm sending my very heart. But then in verse 16, it's the big ask. Because he says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. You see, he's saying, I want, I want you to treat him, this one that's harmed you, this one that's offended you, this one that's left you, I want you to treat him like you would treat me. In order for Philemon to partner, as described in verse 17, the guy that fled to Rome are likely stealing from him, he's going to have to do some significant work of forgiveness, isn't he? This, this is why this is so explosive, because he's asking him to forgive him. Reconciliation is what he's calling for here. I want you to reconcile, be made right with. Reconciliation cannot fully happen without forgiveness. It's not possible. Reconciliation, if you, if you were to look that word up and look for synonyms, you would find things like reunion, propitiation, harmony, peace. They all come up looking when you look that word up. It's the work of restoring relationships. So I, I wonder, this is a direct question to you. Are there relationships in your life you are still holding on to the wrongs that were done to you. Just ask yourself, am I, am I still holding on to someone who offended me, wronged me? Maybe it was a legitimate wrong. This was a legitimate wrong. Onesimus sinned against him. This isn't, this isn't wondering. Paul's not appealing and saying like, hey, uh, don't know if he did right or wrong or here or maybe. No, no, he knows he's done wrong. 
That's why this is so challenging. That's why he's sending a letter ahead to say, by the way, I'm about to send somebody to you that, that for you to reconcile with him is gonna take a lot. Maybe you have a coworker that, that cheated to get ahead and actually did get ahead of you and got the promotion. Maybe you have a teammate that took your starting position. Maybe you have parents that have hurt you with their words or their, their seeming lack of support. How about a spouse? It doesn't feel like much of a spouse anymore. A wife who cheated on you? A husband who ignores you? Maybe you've actually gone through the divorce. Maybe even right now, in your mind, you're rightly hanging on to that. Because they really did wrong you. And so, Chad, you just don't understand. Corey Tin Boom tells this story of, of trying really hard to forgive and forget. She was struggling with this concept. So she, she went to one of her ministers and asked for some advice. And he gave her the, the advice, uh, tells a story of uh, like a bell at the top of a bell tower with a long rope to the end. You can picture that. Somebody at the bottom that pulls that rope, right? Makes the way up tall, the town bell kind of ring. And each time he pulls that rope, the, the bell rings. Like ding, dong, ding. Like as long as he's pulling the rope, the bell just keeps ringing. Finally, though, when the bell ringer lets go of the rope, the the bell still has a few rings, right? Even though the, the rope's gone, there's the ding, dong, ding, dong, right? It's just finally, oh, y'all are following with me on the, right? Some of y'all are thinking about those little hostess cakes. <laughs> Got a little excited there, uh, right? But, but then finally, finally, it stops ringing eventually, doesn't it? Like it, just momentum doesn't forever perpetually go. Finally, it stops. And similarly for us, when we want to reconcile, we'll have to actually eventually let go of the rope. We keep wondering why it's still ringing. Yeah, we keep pulling on the rope. And even when we let go of the rope, there might still be a, a few like residual dings, but it might, might take time, but it can't ever happen if you keep holding the rope. So I'm praying. I prayed specifically this morning. I'm praying even, even now, God, I pray that today would be the day of forgiveness. you would choose to let go of the bitter rope that you're holding on to. And you would seek reconciliation with your coworker, your teammate, your parent, your spouse, or whomever it is that you need. Reconciliation is necessary for true fellowship. 
But if we want to not only live through each day, but to thrive in it, we need both reconciliation and partnership. Partnership in the gospel, right? It goes beyond simply forgiving one another. It includes the work of connection, cooperation, and collaboration. We're talking about more than just saying, I forgive you, right? What Paul's asking of Philemon is not just to say, I forgive you, go on your merry way. He says, hey, be ready, because he's going to come and serve alongside you, not just as your servant, but he's going to, to come with you and serve with you and be, uh, basically, he's going to move in. He's going to be a member of your church. Paul is constantly, it seems like, talking about partnership in the gospel multiple times throughout his letters. This is regular. He's regularly thanking, thanking people for how they have partnered with him in the, the work of the gospel. He recognizes its importance. In fact, during my uh, doctoral work, it's probably when I uh, realized the importance of partnership more than any other time uh, in my study, which it's, I just realized it's vital for the advancement of the kingdom. Partnership is, is vital for God's kingdom to thrive and grow. There's partnership. When, when the boat, right, when the, uh, when, like the disciples put out their nets, they pull in so many that they have to get another boat to, to help them. There's, there's partnership there. There's partnership when, when Jesus feeds the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish, and, and then the, the partners, all of the disciples, gather up all of the leftovers. There's partnership that takes place there. There's partnership when Paul is supplied by Epaphroditus. There's partnership even right here as Paul is seeking to bring greater relationship with believers. If Philemon hopes to have further fruit the gospel, with the gospel, he will need to continue to partner with other believers. You don't just do this alone. This is not a solo work. Hear this. If you want to be a church that reaches the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be a church filled with forgiveness so that we can partner together for the glory of God. We, we, will, we will implode Otherwise, I wonder, is there someone in this church that you need to apologize to? Is there someone in this church that you need to forgive? God, may today be that day. See, true fellowship includes joy and comfort, and true fellowship offers reconciliation and partnership. And true fellowship is rooted in the death and resurrection of Christ. Death and resurrection. Wait a minute. Chad, you tell us that we're supposed to look in the text for these truths, and I I don't see death and resurrection in Philemon. I'm glad you noticed that. In fact, it's the only letter in which Paul doesn't mention death and resurrection. I'm not positive as to why it is he does not do so, but I believe it's because it is made evident in the two other pairings. 
right? When you think about him describing joy and comfort, it can only come through death and resurrection. True joy, right? Not just fleeting happiness, not just, not just fleeting uh, circumstantial periods of smiles on your face, but uh, the deep residing joy, comfort from the Spirit only comes from Christ and, and because of his death and resurrection. True reconciliation and partnership only come through this death and resurrection. In my study, I, I found this in one, one dictionary. It says, the fact and experience of Christian fellowship only exists because God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, and by the Spirit, has established a, in grace a relation with humankind. Those who believe the gospel of the resurrection are united in the Spirit through Jesus to the Father. The relation leads to the reality of relatedness and thus to an experienced relationship between man and God. Those that are in Christ are in communion, not only with Christ, but with one another. See, his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection, Jesus Christ brought into being a new creation, a new order. Though this new situation that we are in will only be present in the fullness at the end of this age, it is a reality now on this earth. Christ exercises his relation in this new creation in and through the controlling and liberating Holy Spirit whom the Father sends in the name of Christ. Right? There's, there's no way for us to even have any comprehension whatsoever of true forgiveness except that he forgave us. See, Paul can ask Philemon this explosive request, this over-the-top request. He can say, you should forgive this man who has wronged you, who went the other way, fled to the other town. You should forgive him even though he stole from you, even though he is... Like he has been away from you. He left his job. Like he was yours like for, to work for you and he left, he ran away from you. You should forgive him. Not only forgive him, but you should call him a part of your family. You should call him a brother. You should give to him the, the gift of community that he would be connected to all the other brothers and sisters in Christ. You should offer that to him. He should have what you have. I don't know if that sounds familiar, but it should because this is what God does for you. Because God offers forgiveness to you. You have offended him. I, I offended God. And in, the, in the worst of ways, right, the the, the words that are used to describe us as sinners, I mean, just go read Romans 3. Children of wrath, Ephesians calls us. We're wicked 
We didn't just commit one sin. We didn't just steal and run away. Right? We were born sinners. We, we wronged, offended, a perfectly righteous, holy God repeatedly. And yet he offers to us through his son, his death, through his conquering of death and his resurrection, he offers to us forgiveness. All that is asked of us is that we would, that we would surrender ourselves to him. He said, all, oh, all that's offered is that you surrender. Yeah. Think about what else he could, he could be requiring. He's already, he's already taken, he gave his son's life for you. Oh, that you would receive that gift of forgiveness today. And just as Onesimus turned away and went back, asking for forgiveness, would you do that today? Would you see, would you see what is being offered to you today? Would you receive that gift of grace, an undeserved gift that you and I do not deserve? See, when we see that all of this is true, we can, we can look forward to that true fellowship. You see, I, I expect us at Colonial Heights Baptist Church, I expect that we will have deep, lasting, true fellowship with one another. Just as Paul expected Philemon, right? Isn't it great how he says that? I'm, I'm going to, I could command you, he says, as your superior, as your authority, I could command this of you, but instead I'm going to appeal to you as my brother that you would accept him in this way. There's an there's a expectation that Paul is saying, I expect you to do this because you know it's right. In fact, he expects it to happen so much that he says, hey, prepare for me a room because I'm going to come visit. And I'm going to know that you'll receive me just as you are going to receive Onesimus. I know you're going to. So, so I, there's this expectation. He's basically saying, I trust this is going to go well. I trust this is going to go well. That, that if you need forgiveness from your own sin against God, that you would call out to him and you would know that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And maybe, maybe as you're reminded today that maybe it is that you need to now seek forgiveness of someone else, maybe even someone in this church. Maybe you need to make a phone call today to someone in another state and seek their forgiveness. Apologize for your sin against them. But I, I trust, I trust that you will 
do as the Lord leads. As Paul says, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. He's confident. I'm, I'm confident that you will do what is right. You will obey the Lord as he leads. Maybe you have more questions about these things. I want to invite you to come to this room right here to my left. There will be those who would love to talk to you, answer questions you might have. Maybe it is after the service you want to just tap me on the shoulder, grab me, and we can, we can talk more. There are others here that would certainly love to talk to you. I want to just invite you. Invite you to know the Lord that's offering this kind of forgiveness. He's offering himself to you. Would you stand now as we respond to the Lord?